0: Hello and welcome to the Heaven Bound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Shouse and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey
1: today. We have been looking this month, the month of January, at things that help us in our Bible study. You know, the, the year started off with a lot of promises and hopes and resolutions, and here we are at the tail end of the first month already. It's hard to imagine it's gone by so fast. And some of us, if we're honest, we just have to say, well, that little resolution I made on January 1 <laughs> is no longer around. And that happens so easily and one of the great things you can do and you ought to do is just being a daily reader of the Bible. And so what we've done this month is try to look at different layers of helping us in our Bible study. All of these are on our website. Uh, we encourage you to go back. If you missed one of these, just kind of grab these. These, these will all build upon each other and they help each other. We began by talking about uh, the the idea of the environment, uh, getting your bearings, Concept there of how to start a Bible study with yourself. Where do I where do I begin to read, and and just practical things about the environment, uh, your setting, and the time of day, and things such as that. From that, our next lesson was about the context, and to focus upon the context, not just to open the Bible here and read a couple of verses and shut it, and read it the next day in another place. You you don't get the story. And and you have to understand who's talking, what's going on, what's, what's the whole purpose behind all this. And that that helps you to learn things. Last time, we talked about priming with prayer and how essential it is to pray as you study the Bible, to pray before you study the Bible, to pray after you study the Bible, to pray for wisdom that you learn some things from God. Today, as we look at the last lesson in this little series, we're going to talk about putting all this into practice, the idea of application. So I've been reading a chapter a day or two or three chapters a day, and I'm kind of getting the idea of what's going on in this book, a little bit behind the story here, getting to know some names and some people, getting, you know, things are starting to kind of get clearer in my mind here, but then what? And the then what, of course is to apply this to yourself. And so today we're going to focus upon putting all these things into practice. Right. The goal is always
0: bigger than just reading, right? I, uh, When we think about putting things into practice and the journey of discipleship, my mind always goes back to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, that a disciple, that's a learner, a student, But also a follower, right? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Bible reading is a part of our training right? No doubt about it. It is absolutely essential to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. But the goal of it all is not simply to read X number of chapters a day or to get through the entire Bible in a year. The goal is bigger than that. The goal is to be like our teacher. And in order to reach that goal, Roger, we've got to put what
1: we're reading into practice. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one thing to know the books of the Bible. We should know them in order. If we're using this more and more, it helps us to understand the story, but what good of it if it just lays there? And so so we're going to talk about how to put this into application or practice. And so let's just begin by looking at some examples of this in our Bible. Sermon on the Mount is just a great place for this because Jesus would say several times in Matthew chapter five, for I say to you, he's talking to an audience there, He wasn't talking to the nation, the nation of Israel. He wasn't talking to the globe, every human being. I say to you. And the whole point of that is you heard those words of Jesus. That audience heard that. And he was wanting them to say, imagine just me and you in a room. No one else in this conversation. I'm talking to you. And from that, comes what do I do with what he just says. I think another great example of this is in Matthew chapter 19 when the Pharisees were questioning Jesus, try to put him in a corner about a tough and difficult subject about marriage. And he responds first of all in verse 4 and says, and he answered them and said, "Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, made them male and female? Have you not read? If you have read, and thought about what you read, then then you would have understood this point. And again, why he's driving at here is the point of application here, the point of seeing these things. Again, to the Sermon on the Mount, we're just we're just kind of running through some examples of this for you. But in Matthew chapter seven, at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, a lot of times our sermons today, the preacher will say, stand and let's sing. Well, <laughs> Jesus didn't do that. He told a little story about the rich man and uh, the wise man and the fool. And he describes a wise man here in Matthew 7, 24, as everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Storms came, the wind blew, the rain came, the floods came, but thou house stood? because that man had acted upon or he put in practice what Jesus had said. And so th- these are just some simple reminders to us of how we need to be doing these things and to see that. Now, let me go to another example, if you will, in the book of Luke in chapter 10. And, and there's like three spots I want to pull out here for you. In Luke chapter 10, He says in verse 26, as the lawyer stood up to test him, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law, how does it read to you? And and, and basically, what does the Bible say to you? That's what he's saying. And it's more than just words. What does it mean to you? Our faith has to be personal. And our faith is built upon the word of God. And so he would go on and talk about keeping the commandments, but this uh, ruler, this or rather this lawyer who's trying to, uh, I think, being a little smart aleck here to Jesus, wishing to justify himself, said to Jesus, "Who is my neighbor?" From that, Jesus tells us the story or the parable of the Good Samaritan. And when he ends that uh, that story there, he says in verse thirty-seven, he says, "The one who showed mercy toward him." Then Jesus said, "Go and do the same." You see that. He didn't say, go and think about this, go memorize this, go preach this, go do this. And so putting in practice what Jesus said is the most essential thing. to, To read the Bible and to be unchanged, to read the Bible and to remain the same, means the Bible really has had no impact upon my life. As we read it, it ought to impact us, and we need to go and do the same.
0: In a lot of ways, Roger, I, I feel like this gets to how do I look at what I'm holding in my hands? Uh, just listening to you rehearse all of these ancient accounts, and we unashamedly acknowledge frequently, both of us in Bible classes, in sermons, listen, this is old. <laughs> this This happened a long time ago. We need to acknowledge that, but also help people understand and remind ourselves, listen, the word of God is living and active. That's what Hebrews chapter four teaches us. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what we're really talking about here. I mean, it's one thing to, okay, start with what time of day am I going to try and build this rhythm into my life and making sure that I've got a good translation of the Bible and appreciating the context of what I'm reading, even priming with prayer. All of that matters. What we're really getting at here, we hinted at it last week with prayer, is this is a matter of the heart, right? And and that writer of the letter to the Hebrews, even in this context where he talks about the word of God being living and active, gives us a master class in what we're talking about. If you remember, he goes back, he talks about that Exodus generation and how they missed out, and so it passed on to their children to be the first to enter the promised land. And he talks about Joshua, things that had happened a long time before he wrote the letter to the Hebrews, right? But he weaves in this bridge that... The promise of entering God's rest still stands. And he, he, he reminds them of that previous generation. And then just like you've highlighted with Jesus, Hebrews chapter four, verse 11, therefore let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. How can that be? Well, he tells us in the very next verse, the word of God is living and active. doesn't matter how I'm accessing it, whether I'm using a scroll or a Codex or what we would call a book or I'm, I'm reading it off of a screen. What matters is this is the word of God. It's living and
1: active and I am accountable to the God who gave the word. Well, Jason, you've mentioned that several times. Uh... And what does it mean that the word is living? I, late at night, I'm reading a book about Tecumseh. Okay. <laughs> and I wouldn't say it, it's, it's a kind of a dry scholarly. I hope I get through it. It's just, it's, 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 it's tedious. Good luck. Yeah. But, but. <laughs> You know, I would never say this. This book about Tecumseh is living. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, uh, I wouldn't say that. So how how can I say this book, this old Bible, is living? And I can put Shakespeare next to it, or I can put some college textbook next to it, or I can put the uh, Harry Potter next to it. I can put all these different books around it. But the Bible is so different. Yeah. What makes it living?
0: Yeah. Well, I would lean on his next several phrases where I am being encouraged not just to use my God given mind to discern, like you brought up from those examples with Jesus, what, what does this mean to me? What does this mean for me? But as I read it, I am being discerned, right? My heart is being uncovered. I'm teaching right now on Sundays uh, a class on the parables of Jesus. And this past Sunday, we just looked at how Jesus could tell a simple parable. And depending on the heart of the hearers, something different would happen. If the heart was hard, there would be truths of the kingdom that Jesus says are being concealed. If the heart was open and honest, secrets of the kingdom would be revealed. Not in the sense that, okay, I know a secret that nobody else can possibly know, but as I read this word, there is a living connection between the Almighty God and my heart. And what happens next based on what I've read and what I do with what I read matters more than any work that any human being could possibly come up with. I, I could read the Tecumseh biography or Harry Potter or whatever else you mentioned and I could close that and I could walk I could take it or leave it, right? Because they simply have human authors. And so, I'm not
1: accountable to them. So so what we really have is is we have the living God, the living us, and that bridge is the living the word. The living word, absolutely. Yeah. And so, so we we approach this differently than any other book because we realize the God in heaven who made us, who we're accountable for, who will stand before us someday in judgment, who we hope to spend forever with, is talking to us. Yeah. The, the, this this is God's means of communication. He does not talk to us in in feelings. He doesn't whisper in our ears. He talks. Through this word. So when I read the Bible, there's there's going to be times it bothers me. It bothers me because I'm not doing what it says right. and And, and that conviction, Ought to lead me to change. It can pierce me, right? Absolutely. It can cut me to the quick, as other passages say. Uh, I can read this passage, I can read the Bible and it can it can comfort me. There's times when when sorrow and sadness and despair can come around me, but I realize God is still on the throne. God is still there. He was there through the Egyptians, through the Babylonians, through the Romans. God is still there, and that can give me great comfort. And so it's living in that way. It can motivate me. I can read about what what Jesus said about the good Samaritan. And I can think about my next door neighbor who lost his job and and they're having a hard time and, and I got a cupboard full of food. Well, that'll motivate me maybe to, to take some food over to my neighbor. Why does the Bible, Harry Potter won't do that. Tecumseh won't have me, Tecumseh would <laughs> have me go over there and tomahawk somebody, you know? <laughs> why, why Why does the Bible do that? Because it's the living God talking to us. Yeah. and And that's the whole approach you must have. Imagine you're in this room with no one else but you and God. What would he say to you? Well, you know. It's right here in your words. It's these Bible. And that's what God would say to us.
0: Yeah, listen to this powerful statement that exactly what you're talking about. Paul, as he writes to the Philippians, Philippians 4, verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. We'll, we'll come back to that word in just a moment. But listen to the promise. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That That's it. I, I love how you said it earlier. The living God, the living people who are reading his word, this living word, and as we put those things into practice, what's the promise? The God of peace will be with us.
1: So how do I make it personal? I'm yeah. um, I'm reading through the Chronicles and that's king after king after king. Or I'm reading over here in Philippians and I'm just reading this. Uh, how, you know, we've already talked about context, know who's talking, know the background, know all that stuff. So I've got all that down. How now do I make it personal? All right. So
0: I, first thing that I would offer and then I'll, I'll turn it right back to you. I've got to bring humility to the table. Uh, Humility is something nobody can do for me. Without humility, it's going to completely depend upon my mood, my whims, what I think, where where I am in life. Without humility, it's really, really easy for me to read this or hear a message, a Bible class or a sermon, and think, boy, do I know somebody that really needs this, right? Uh, Without humility, it's kind of like this living and active seed of God's word is just hitting a a plastic shield. And so I would offer step one, I've got to be humble and receptive
1: and use this as a a mirror. What would you add to that? Well and and, and right behind that, I I would just put the idea that God's talking to you. Yeah. this is how God's talking to you. And, and so don't be looking for a, a you know, uh, message in the clouds, you know, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, you know, the, the witch made uh, Dorothy's <laughs> name up there, or don't, don't be looking for some whisper whispering ear. If God was to talk to you, this is what he would say. And so you have to be humble and you have to realize the God of heaven and earth is saying this. Secondly, you got to put yourself in a story. Yep. That's what you have to do. So when, when you're reading about that prodigal son, uh, you be the prodigal and, and see his mistakes, and you learn from that. You be that father when that prodigal comes home. How am I going to treat him? You look at how the father treated him. You be the elder brother, and you're standing out there and refuse to go in, and, and you learn lessons. So what you do is you put yourself in that story, and you start learning lessons, And you start seeing layers and layers and layers of lessons and start like that Luke 15 story. It's more than just about the prodigal. It's about the father. It's about the elder brother. It's about all of this. And as you start putting yourself into those stories, you start seeing lessons and start realizing, this is the application. Uh, I need to be forgiving, and the elder brother wouldn't forgive. I need to be repentant, and sometimes as a prodigal, I'm not repentant. And you start seeing these things, and that's going to start shaping your life. It's going to start making some changes. It may make you think, you know what? There's that guy at church I just don't like, and I don't talk to him. Maybe I need to change my attitude. Maybe there's somebody at work I need to apologize to. And I need to go do that. And that's how the Bible is going to start working on you because you start putting yourself in there and you start thinking about the application in your own life. Yeah, I would add to that, this
0: such an important Bible word, endurance, right? This is not a sprint. Uh, this is not a, okay, I I heard an inspiring sermon on Sunday. And so I'm going to just be lit up like a firework on Monday and by Tuesday. Tuesday, my life is just indescribably different. Now, God can absolutely turn our lives around on a dime, no doubt about that. But so much of discipleship is about going in the same direction slowly, methodically, for a long time. The Bible word, we've already run across it, is Practice, right? That that word is all over the New Testament. Paul tells Timothy in first Timothy four, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. The writer of the Hebrews says or to the Hebrews says in Hebrews five fourteen: solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained. By what? By constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Peter in 2 Peter 1, Brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. John said it in 1 John 1 verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So much of this
1: has to do with Patient endurance and and when you think about practice we i mean we kind of go to the sports field with that you know you're practicing you know basketball or something and and what you're doing is you're just going through it. You know, the, the the basketball teams, they don't just sit down and look at a book and just, you know, go through, okay, this is how you shoot a free throw. Now let's turn a page. This is how you rebound. And you turn a the page. They get on the court and they actually do it. Yeah. And they actually do it. And then they play like to practice. And they practice like they're going to play. And that's what we do. So we see this in the book, the Bible, but then we go out and we apply it. Yeah. And so we're going we're gonna to apply grace and forgiveness and kindness and gentleness. We're going to develop a heart of a servant. Why? Because that's, that's taking it off the page and putting it in our hearts, and that's how the Bible becomes alive. You know, in the, in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul would say in chapter 3, uh, uh, he describes the Christians as a living epistle, uh, you know, as, as if they are the walking Bible. And we have to realize, in a culture we live in today, we are the only Bible that some people will ever read. Uh, They won't pick up a Bible. So when they see you, they're going to make a judgment call. This is what a Christian is like. And if we're not practicing it right, then they're going to get the wrong image. How important it is for us to show kindness and gentleness and grace and forgiveness, the qualities of Jesus. And from that, They can get the bridge to go to the real Bible and see what God wants them to see.
0: Roger, for the last going on six years now... Uh, your wife, Miss Debbie, is a, a, a legend in our house for uh, uh, a lot of things that she has made us, but her cookies especially. I mean, we just, uh, uh, <laughs> a lot of times if cookies come up, Miss Debbie's name comes up as well. And as you're describing that, I, I think of, boy, is, isn't there a huge difference between having the recipe and actually putting it into practice and then sharing it with others. I don't know how you don't weigh 400 pounds, uh, being married to Miss Debbie, but, uh, it is a blessing to have the recipe of Christianity but then to put it into practice for the glory of God and, and the good of other people.
1: And that's just it. And, and, and so when we come on to Sunday, it's more than just sitting and singing and listening to some prayers and some preaching. We're getting an opportunity to serve. And when we go to work, we're getting opportunities to serve. We're putting all this into practice and that's what comes out of this. And so, so whether we're talking about, uh, following the score of music as you're playing the piano or doing a recipe, um, you know, you, you're, you're putting yourself into that and you have been changed by the Bible. And that's what makes it alive and living and active. And it makes a difference. I've had so many people tell me where they work because of their nature, because of their attitude. People will come to them in private and say, I know you're a religious person. I've got this going on in my life. Can I ask you a question? And why do they do that to that person? Because they recognize, because they have been practicing what they have been reading. Practical tips for Bible reading. Roger, thanks for joining
0: me in this four-part series. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. We hope the series and today's episode has helped you set your mind on things above and given you fuel for the journey. That's what it's always about. Always remember when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.